0: Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience or physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the J3U Podcast. I am your host, John Jewett. With me is co-host, Luke Miller. Today is on Metformin. So we want to discuss the... Applications within Physique Competitors for Metformin. I know this has been talked about quite a bit and lots of controversy and uh, unclarity on the topic. So we want to provide some and, and just show kind of like the walkthrough of when might be a situation someone would use Metformin or why people are even using it to begin with. And then just get into some of the little bit more detailed aspects of deploying it, issues around it, and how that might work within your total plan if this is something you're choosing to to utilize.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the big things to kind of start out with would be just kind of maybe laying the framework of what Metformin's kind of originally proposed for when we took look at like glucose control with like type 2 diabetics and just some of the, the base literature around that um and its main role being like an oral compound that lowers blood glucose um, through a couple different mechanisms we can see like uh lowering it via like hepatic glucose output um intestinal absorption of glucose and a couple others um as like its primary source for uh medical indication when we look at it within the medical community yeah so This is a first-line therapy
0: for type 2 diabetes, is the metformin. It's the first-line medication that that is a go-to. There are several around this, of course. Just just a slight familiarity with diabetes itself. It's primarily um, uncontrolled management of blood glucose and high insulin levels revolving around insulin resistance. And of course, this is problematic as it uh, increased gl- glucose glycation of lots of different uh, blood cells, organs, tissues. You can lose a function around these. Um, one, of, one of the leading causes of kidney disease causes issues with cardiovascular disease. So multiple complications with having elevated blood glucose and blood insulin levels. So partially with type 2 diabetes is you have this insulin resistance forming, which over time... Could put further strain on the beta cells of the pancreas to produce insulin. So you might also have a eventually a decrease of insulin secretion. Not always the case in type 2. In, in type 1 diabetes, this is more so an autoimmune issue with the beta cells not producing insulin. So it's not necessarily insulin resistance in a type 1 diabetic, but just more so they need to take exogenous insulin to replace what they're not able to produce. But in type 2, this could be coupled together um so revolving around treatments for type 2 diabetes is addressing these issues of trying to resolve insulin resistance and metformin is is one utilized cuz it can decrease well it works through a few different mechanisms like like you said Luke um pri- primary one being uh, action at the liver to decrease the hepatic output of glucose so the liver can produce glucose through gluconeogenesis and increase blood glucose. So, this insulin resistance that occurring, cells aren't uptaking glucose, the liver starts putting out more. And that then gets coupled with uh, further increases of insulin and, and tissues not responding to that insulin and just kind of the snowball effect. Uh, there's a few other drugs, though. Are you familiar with the other diabetic drugs? I don't yes. know if you ever got, we got yeah. questions on them? No, not really. I actually had some come up. Um, ones that I like, I don't, you have a, like a list of drugs and people are like, how many other drugs can I take? It's like, why did you even come up with this? I don't know, just the some of the drugs that people mentioned to me. Um, there's a few other drugs in, in diabetes. Uh, one being uh, Actos, which is, works in gene expression for around fatty acid metabolism, carbohydrate metabolism, and it does sensitize peripheral tissues, just like metformin does. Um, One of the higher incidences of issues around um, uh, actos was uh, edema, and it's contraindicated in patients with like congestive heart failure, which um, someone asked me about that. and, And just being around enhanced bodybuilding, one of the large issues that we have around is like a peripheral edema, water retention, increasing blood pressure. So it's like, this is already is like an X out on that one. Um, Another one is a glipizide. I've heard someone mention it. It's, it's an uh, insulin secretagogue. So it increases beta cell production of insulin, which isn't really solving the The problem, like, it, yes, it lowers blood glucose, but the the root issue here, it's trying to reduce just glucose output of the pancreas and improve insulin sensitivity. Don't just add more insulin in. So um, that's when you might say, hey, why don't we just add in an exogenous insulin? Um, And the, like, one of the other ones was like, I heard someone mention using a GLP-1 agonist. So uh, GLP-1 also increases beta cell production of insulin. It also um, decreases carbohydrate absorption, can decrease appetite too. So I've seen some people using these like post-show, but again, I think it's not getting down to like, what is our, what is our real issue around enhanced bodybuilding? And so with enhanced bodybuilding, (laughs) uh, some of the main issues with using high amounts of androgens growth hormone is just, well, for instance, just growth hormone itself, um, pre- increases glucose output by the, the liver. Yep. So think of uh, as growth hormone is like trying to pull out all energy reserves into the bloodstream. And so you're having gl- glucose increase from, from the liver, you're having fatty acids pulled from adipose tissue. So you have this rise in blood glucose rise in free fatty acids, it can cause insulin resistance and prevent like uptake by tissues. So this is kind of like what we're faced with alongside also just high food intakes, um, high body weights that are driving more inflammation and that in, those inflammatory factors can have some direct impact on insulin sites, insulin receptors in that pathway. So we're kind of getting hitting by a few multiple fronts here. Um, we, we have we're taking some compounds that increase blood glucose. We're also putting in ourselves in positions where we can have more insulin resistance occurring. And so, we, something that might be deployed around that. If we, of course we use every intervention possible, right? Yeah. Cardio, diet, um, to to help improve that lower inflammation. Um, improve health markers, but there's still like some prophylactic strategies that could be utilized. And still this, this first line treatment for diabetes is uh, metformin. Yep. And so we see a lot of bodybuilders are, are now using metformin for, for this reason to one manage blood glucose
1: and it has some other benefits as well. Yeah. I think that when we look at like considering prophylactics in the first place, I think one of the big things is like their role in this is extending the lifespan of, of, of phases for us a lot of times, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a long-term play, um, not only for the space specific that we're in, but especially like managing the long-term health considerations. And this is where we start to, when we discuss stack design, almost have it as like a linchpin within the majority of, of people's plans, because most people run into the same similar issues, right? We're running into a lot of these health market deteriorations that are going to eventually drive long term issues. We see net um, incidence sensitivity go down and inflammation rise quite a bit. Um, and we can see metformin really play a role in this. And I think this is where we kind of start to uh, lay out why metformin really fits the bill for some of these issues as we run into this pretty stereotypically across the board with most people. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, because in like <coughs> what, what's usually ending like growth phases for individuals and I'll get into also like even contest prep scenario, but yeah. in, in these like growth f- phases, like you said, like, like usually we're seeing what's going to keep you from pushing up. And it's usually it's um, what someone might notice is like, man, my appetite has gone to shit. Like I'm now feel like I'm forced food down or body composition is starting to get, t- Partition miss more towards body fat and uh, for that same amount of, of tissue accrual, lean, lean yep. mass accrual. And then, you know, if you are, hopefully you are watching health markers, you start seeing health markers getting deranged. So maybe triglycerides, lipid panels getting off and you're like, yep. okay, this is all heading in a direction of being far from optimal. It's not sustainable. That's the thing about it. So you have to then take other measures. Um, and so around around these issues, like what what is really occurring there? And it's, like I said, high food, high body weight, high PD usage. Usually, at the higher body weights, sleep can be taking a toll. And then also we're just driving a lot of systemic stress too. Um, and don't think like mental stress, but think just overall stress on the body with with training, sleep going down, PD usage, all those things. And so we result in this fate of this high systemic inflammation, high amount of insulin resistance and increases in oxidation stress. And so we have to do something with that. And that's why metformin fits the bill really well within the enhanced competitor, because it does, for one, helps with managing your blood glucose and insulin uh, resistance. So it can, like you said, like put further the extend the uh, growth phase without having those issues occur, possibly as soon. Um, And also just, I think more so from a a longevity aspect, the acute stress could be reduced, but also the long-term stress. So we see with metformin outside of blood glucose management is you have decrease in inflammatory markers, decreases in oxidative stress. So just within that, just with a systemic aspect, um, our main issues in bodybuilding are what is it doing to the brain, the heart, the kidneys? And a lot of this is driven around high systemic oxidative stress, inflammation. So metformin works to decrease those. So it's very liable. You could say that metformin is Renal, cardio, and uh, brain protective, um, and then we'll have also potentially like anti-cancer benefits around metformin. It has lots of applications within that, um, but I think you know before you get down too far down the longevity uh, track there, because people just want to care more. So, like, what's it doing to my my physique as an yeah. as as a as a, a competitor, um, and so. Yeah, that's, that's kind of your your main, your main thing of why we would be deploying uh, metformin to lower those aspects of what high food, high
1: androgens, high growth hormone, all those things are doing around it. I think along those lines, too, it's because <clears throat> the whole conversation for now has been like around all season is flipping the script and contest prep. I think this is very applicable within that contest prep setting as well. Um, Because of all those additional benefits outside the glucose control that we'll see with metformin, Um, just keeping it in at like that 500 milligram mark throughout the duration of the contest prep um, for these, these measured benefits as well.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a point because in contest prep, you're like, man, my blood glucose is great. Like this isn't going to be a problem. Like you're going to be very insulin system, um, sensitive in a prep. Yeah. And yes, you are. However, you're still exposing yourself to high amounts of PDs typically with, with increasing on the way into the, the into the show. So I would take metformin for all the other benefits that it presents with uh outside of glucose management because your glucose is should be relatively pretty managed in a contest prep and so for all those other health benefits to keep those more intact keep yourself in a healthier state and that just it just it continues each phase you get into so like off season to a prep you don't have this, you won't have as much of like so some guys have to have like if you want to call it like a cleanup phase or a health restoration phase, like we should never get to have to really get to those points to begin with, but it, it shortens these phases because you've maintained health Um, same with a prep into a a, a post-show period into an off season, that post-show period, it's very much a recovery state from all the stress you just put yourself through, through a prep. Now, if we had a, a tool to utilize, to try to mitigate some of that stress that you're accumulating that post-show period is just going to be much more effective and get you transitioning back into a very productive offseason phase, uh, a little bit faster rate. So I think it's, it's kind of phase potentiating in that sense. um, Mm -hmm. And that you can be improved on every other phase by, by doing so. Uh,
1: So it's something to be, that could be utilized year round. Right. Yeah. And I think, as we kind of walk through this, we do get a lot of questions around like, what are the issues, right? Because every drug has got, has got to have some issue. Um, no drug comes without some sort of side effect that we may need to watch out for. Um, and we have like multiple, a couple that we can go down. Um, but the first one is like the question about like the influence on hypertrophy, right? Like, does that yeah. have a negative influence on hypertrophy via like AMDK and all this other stuff? Um, and I think this is something that is really overstated and not fully understand because we can like look at like isoforms of APK and like where metformin is going to have an influence and see that it's not going to be influential on, on hypertrophy. And I think we have data. You said the master study, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the, one of the studies that is, has been usually cited, uh, for saying, Hey, don't take metformin. It's going to inhibit your, your muscle gains. And uh, like, like you said, uh, like, and since we, I didn't, we didn't even mention it. Like the main thing about metformin and how it works at the liver to produce, to reduce glucose output is through, um, activation of, of AMPK, which is basically, uh, the, the same, same thing that's activated during exercise actually. And so it, it, causes like a a decrease in in, in the signaling that almost is like exercise would be. So it's like there's energy availability, so you don't need to now put out glucose to provide that energy. Um, But AMPK has a few different subunits on it, um, several. And so metformin activates certain subunits and the ones that it does activate is shown the ones that aren't related around activation of mTOR in skeletal muscle. And so we also have to think like, not just as a whole, but where is the, the really target sites that metformin is enacting? And, and one of the main sites is, is the liver. However, it, it, it will have some influence on skeletal muscle. And so we bring up the, the master study, which was a, a 12-week resistance training study in, uh, in, in subjects over 65 years of age, um, and they were taking 2000 milligrams of metformin a day and looking at um, skeletal muscle outcomes. And within that study, there was some inhibition of hypertrophy adaptations. And so that was immediate like, oh shit, don't take metformin. Uh, it's going to inhibit your your, your gains. And it with, within this study, and you kind of have, it's much more in depth. So Um, for one, you have to look at does the subjects apply to within our population. And if you're, I would say if you're over 65, natural, and taking 2000 milligrams of metformin a day, then this study would probably apply to you. Um, If you're a young 20 to 40 year old, uh, you know, taking super physiological amounts of PEDs, androgens, and growth hormone, and for something that's more like along the lines of maybe 500 milligrams of metformin, it's just not even a comparison. And uh, now do we have that comparison? We don't. So that's the thing about it. We, we kind of just have this one uh, study. Um, there was a follow-up done to uh, kind of investigating the mechanisms a little bit more. And I would say those mechanisms seem to revolve more around this, um, more this aging dependent process. Uh, so it's not, does it seem like it would be as influential in young subjects? Gotcha. Now for naturals, should you be taking metformin? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think that makes a lot of sense because of around the issues of why, why do it? Well, why are we doing it is because of the issues around enhanced bodybuilding practices. Yeah. And so, yes, it, it has some potential to lower IGF one lower testosterone level, and for that, for a natural athlete, you're not going to face the issues of an enhanced bodybuilder with high amounts of insulin resistance or oxidative stress or inflammation. Is the same. Um, also, we would incur these issues at lower body fat levels too than say like an, uh, someone that would be that would be natural. So I, I don't use that on my my natural competitors. Um, I, I don't think it makes makes enough sense. Um, I think the prophylactic measures that it might provide uh, far outweigh what I see is even being the limited amount that it would impact even if it did impact hypertrophy and I just just as a an anecdotal and it's very anecdotal like I have not seen it impact a progress um, my guys are still adding stage weight on but I am seeing Im- improved markers of health and so I think as a summation um, I, I still lean in favor. However, uh, it's very well like if, if you see that, you know, there's, no, there's not enough data to say, would this really impact some amount of gain in this population? Fair enough, like we don't have the data that can really, really say that. And so that's a decision you would you would need to make for, for yourself. Um, but I, I would say just from what I've seen in the, in the field and practice that it doesn't seem to be limiting. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and i would agree there and i think just as a comment on the natural side like the whole point of prophylactic is in response to like lower risk for something else that's involved right and so yeah if the whole point of taking prophylactics for that like it's it's there's not other things that are going to be risk and you're not taking risk adverse actions within natural bodybuilding they the same as within like enhance. so another kind of logical sequence is to like maybe this isn't something that needs to be like included in my opinion. Um, and if you're running into insulin sensitivity issues, it's probably due to the fact that it's time to change directions as a natural bodybuilder rather than, um, or, or chronic inflammation issues, It's then like the presence of something else causing that, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You think of it as, Hey, I'm running into issues. What do I take to keep going? It's like, well, take a step back. Like <laughs> maybe <laughs> what should you do now? Um, <laughs> because you, you got to a point where you shouldn't be. So usually just adding more things in to extend that out. is isn't the, the best solution, but this is more so like something that we would have in place uh, to prevent some of the issues occurring or to a lesser degree they may very well still go there. And then once they do go there, where we're seeing those, those maybe health markers are de- deteriorating, then we still pull back. It's not like, Oh, take met more metformin, take more insulin. Uh, it's like usually that gets pretty suboptimal uh, really quickly doing so. And that's why I see guys just, it, it's just like pull trying to pull teeth to get progress. And you, you can just see guys look more swollen and watery and inflammations present. Uh, so it's just this is a time to to put a put a hard stop on uh, pushing up. So um, yeah. yeah, you have to make consideration for how we're would be deploying this. Um, have you had any clients have diarrhea using yeah. Metformin? Yeah, diarrhea, GI upset. Absolutely. Did you have any strategies to you used around um, that, or what, could they resolve? Or
1: one of the things I've seen is like and not like a direct exchange here, but um, if it's deployed from the sense of like blood glucose control, like switching over to berberine a lot of times can, can be a solution. Um, what I have found though, is most people tolerate 500 milligrams fairly well, yeah. where yeah. I can leave it in as a prophylactic in, in that level. It's if it ever goes up into like the thousand, 1500 milligrams so I haven't had anybody run into issues at the 500 milligram mark. Most of the time, it's been like an escalation of metformin. Um, and so it's just pulling it back to 500 milligrams and controlling blood glucose via other, other measures.
0: Yeah, I think it's a low incidence. I think it's 5% of people that take metformin have continued GI issues. Um, it can increase slightly upon first initializing because it, it, it might have some influence on the gut microbiome. And uh, increase uh, of short chain fatty acids, which it might be a positive on the microbiome, um, but also what I mentioned earlier, it can prevent some carbohydrate absorption. So more carbohydrates, especially if they're like fermentable carbohydrates, uh, could cause more gas flatulence and even diarrhea and just pulling more water into the GI tract. And so uh, usually it can resolve, but not with not with everyone. Um, A lot of this can be an issue of taking it on an empty stomach. So um, what I usually suggest is definitely taking it like with the meal or even right right when you complete your meal um, or at the time you start your meal, you know, (laughs) Uh, timing wouldn't necessarily be quite as important with metformin because it has a fairly uh, long half-life in the body. So we're really looking to build up metformin in the tissue rather than don't think of it as I take this with X meal and it's going to be making me insulin sensitive for that meal or partition that food. That's, that's not how it works. Um, It does build up in the system and it's more so for decreasing glucose output. So it's not doing anything with like necessarily the carbohydrate that you're eating to make tissue more sensitive directly by decreasing glucose output tissue in turn gets more sensitive because you're having lower insulin and glucose levels. So don't think of it as you're taking it with a meal and it's impacting that meal. Um, But also I find taking it at nighttime um, helps rather than having it more active during the time of day when you do have a lot of food in place. Um, People have asked me about like extended versus immediate release. And for our purposes, it really doesn't matter. Like either version would, would be very acceptable. Um, I, I, The extended release might have a little less impact on GI because you're not having this huge wham of a dose set at, at once um, and just taking the evening that, that way it wouldn't, might not be as impactful. You could split the dose as well. So if you find all 500 MIGs at once is a lot, you could split that down or just even take less. Um, another thing you brought up, Luke, was berberine. Yeah, and there no. was some uh, interesting studies on using metformin and berberine together that uh, showed to be fairly effective than just even just a monotherapy of one. Mm-hmm. Um, with berberine, now this is a this is a whole other question on itself. Like, why oh, is berberine better, or hey, take berberine without the side effects and Um, They do work through very, very similar mechanisms, both work through AMPK, decreasing hepatic glucose output. The transporters for them are slightly different. And so are some of the pathways slightly, but they just end up for the same outcome of what they do. So they are very, very similar in mechanism of action. Some things about berberine is that it does have a pretty low bioavailability uh, and it, it, but it doesn't seem to cause as much GI distress. So it, it that could be an application uh, for someone that just cannot tolerate metformin berberine milligram for milligram could be as, as effective for managing blood glucose. Um, I just tend to see better outcomes with metformin personally. Um, other things around that conversation too, with, uh, with berberine. Um, there's just not, there's not quite as much data on a lot of the other benefits that it does comparatively to metformin. Since metformin is an FDA approved drug, we have a lot, a lot of research and data on it. So that's why I, I, I feel more comfortable with metformin, especially if you're able to get a uh, pharmaceutically grade, which you should, metformin, Versus a supplement, which the supplement industry is a mess. If you can actually get, how do you even know you're getting berberine? Which um, I've I've seen people that are not getting real berberine or underdose berberine, and so that's an issue within itself. um, Is for one access. So it's like, well, if you can't even get metformin, yes, berberine would be a very you know viable alternative around that. Why not just go to berberine? Well, for the the other reasons that that I mentioned. That's my my consideration, but with that being said, if you can tolerate 500 milligrams of metformin, you could do 250 metformin and 250 berberine. Berberine has a much shorter um, active life, so you might split those up. So you might do like metformin in the evening and then berberine like in in the morning with your with your first meal. That yep. that could be a, a route to deploy it and implement it that way.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree there too. It's just the state of the literature on metformin, excuse me, very heavily towards it because I'm not, because I'm deploying it for the prophylactic reason as the yeah. primary, right? And so. Um, um, uh,
0: the other thing with, uh, it, it also might have some issues with metformin, like B12 deficiency. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um,
0: which I would say is, is would be pretty rare for our Population because um, you know your B twelve it's going to come a lot from your protein sources. Uh, usually, most labs I see it's high B twelve. Yeah, um, uh, you know an issue around like you know this would be an issue for like pernicious anemia and the maturation of red blood cells and, and seeing that like megaloblastic type of anemia from pernicious is uh, rare for what I do come across sometimes in females. But usually that's a, a few different other variables. It might be around thyroid um, issues, or it could be around um, usually getting a folate. So the combo there, but not so much around uh, metformin. It just because B twelve, and, and even that, it's so high in all of supplements. Like almost your pre workouts, your multivitamins, like all this stuff has usually B twelve added to it. Um, so not usually an issue that that
1: I see. Me neither. Yeah, I don't run into the B-12 deficiency at all. I was, I was going to say most of the time I see it high on, on loud work, kind of like yeah. you said. Yeah. What else uh, What else have you noticed just with implementing metformin or issues or? Net positives. I mean, honestly, man, like it's been one of those things that when we look across and, and we have so, – we're – we have other things that we're using as prophylactic, right? And so we're seeing the net benefit of like better stack design and prophylactic measures, and all of this contribute to overall health. Um, I've actually started to see, uh, and, and Josh is, is a pretty good example of this, just improvements in um, being able to manage the, the depths of all season a lot better. So he started with me around 224, 223, he's like 267 right now. Um, and we are, are managing that a lot better than on average, like in the past it would be. And so like when we look at like health metrics on lab panels, we look at blood glucose markers, we look at blood pressure, we can take a conglomeration of all of these and just kind of see the overall health state of the individual. Um, and it's just metformin being a contributing factor there Um, seeing the improvements in the overall health of the athlete as we take them into these extremes of these seasons. Right. And that's kind of where the value is for me.
0: Yeah. I have a few, um, a few clients that have some unique situations around uh, Metformin and and having higher needs actually for it. Okay. Uh, I think for, for most of the clients using, you know, on pds and 500 milligrams no issues around this but i have i have some that like if say you were had a predisposition to diabetes and of course your higher body weight pushing more food and using growth hormone it, it could kind of perturbate that and you could bring about more glucose issues definitely very quickly so uh, i mean i have one client that does take It all range depending on what we're at in in the season, but 1,000 to 1,500 milligrams of metformin. And that is what it's been taking just to keep their blood glucose normalized. And this is someone that for for another client, they would have no issue at like this food level or anything having blood glucose control. But in this certain instance, since he has this um, predisposition, that's taken more metformin. However, I'd say this is like, his most muscular state that he's been he's like you know 265 and probably still around you know 12% body fat uh, a large individual and this was uh you know coming up from a stage weight around 225 so it's putting on significant amount of tissue taking higher amounts of metformin so you know even though we have this you know the the <laughs> the, the master study with in older older natties uh, enhanced young it's it doesn't seem to be even an issue so that's what i would say like uh moving that dosage up might be needed in issue in, in individuals that might have that predisposition to actual diabetes And that's usually yeah. asked. hey do you have a family do you know anyone in your family that has diabetes or um, mm-hmm. things like that Then it's like uh, it's like oh yeah i do it's like okay this this might be a factor the other um one is a uh, pcos
1: oh yeah we didn't even bring this up
0: Yeah, which um, PCOS can be, it can be multifactorial um, around what type of even PCOS it is, but uh, typically you do see high blood glucose and high insulin levels Mm -hmm. and metformin is a treatment in PCOS along with other things. Um, But uh, yeah, I have a a female client that takes uh, thousand milligrams of, of metformin. To manage blood glucose. And that has not sl- slowed at all. Um like she she's like we had a comparative pick, so like from a over a year, and she's uh she's seven pounds heavier and, and easily two, three percent body fat leaner. And so this is like, oh, it, would it inhibit muscle growth? Like, hell no. Like it actually kept like our health markers in a better spot and still made a significant amount of progress. For a female, that's going to far less androgen levels than even a male, so I think it just further, like in my mind, like just shows like this isn't impeding progress. But those are some of the other kind of conditions where I've had metformin at higher dosage ranges um, for the needs of that
1: individual client. Yeah, I've had the the PCOS up to up in the like fifteen hundred range before, so PCOS would definitely be one of the ones that I've seen raise the need without a doubt but i think that overall covers pretty much mostly we would do from a consideration of metformin inclusion um i think on a priorities list of prophylactics it's pretty high up the list in my opinion
0: yeah it's uh yeah you know if y'all had listened to our prophylactic on blood pressure i think that that is probably a number one um and metformin would would be, I mean, not to rank these things, we put them both in place, but it it would be right after there. Uh, a, a question I've had too is around, you know, does your does your metformin take place? Because I just this came to mind: does your metformin take place of insulin usage? And they they just are completely different things, right? Uh, metformin is enhancing the actions. Of insulin so it makes you more sensitive to insulin's actions yep. uh, as far as insulin it's a, just a different conversation it's like what's your need for exogenous insulin in your in re- relation to your endogenous production so if you say you were someone taking insulin you might get the same effect out of a lower dose of insulin that's like they would they could impact each other in that sense but it doesn't do the same thing as insulin um, like, yes, they both can lower blood glucose, but it's through very, very different uh, mechanisms of action. And uh, it's a, just a different conversation. And uh, the same thing goes with like, you know, growth hormone. Like you, you can add these things together and yeah. it's, it's not, a, not an issue
1: either. And I, I would make the, just the off comment of these are all independent of each other and not <clears throat> necessary within the usage of each other. As in, like, we don't have to use growth hormone, insulin, metformin all Like, it should be done based on that need.
0: Yeah, and you know, I know people are going to get still tied up on, and, and, you know, because it, it's such a it's such a debated thing because we just don't have the data on it on muscle building. But realize, there's a lot of things that we take that could potentially increase um, AMPK, and and you could make an argument that it's going to inhibit progress. Uh, alpha lipoic acid, like that's in a lot of your GDAs. Oh, I'll take a GDA. I won't take metformin. Like a lot of the mechanism of action of all those ingredients are very similar in that they do work through AMPK. Um, hell, you could make an argument for, for caffeine. Um, you know, it, it has a similar mechanism in that sense too. Um, or you could look at, oh man, taking antioxidants prior to training inhibits uh, your some hypertrophy adaptations. It's like, oh shit, well, you know what? Let's stop eating fruits and vegetables, right? It's like, for how much stress that, for how strong the drive of androgens growth hormone are to promote, promote progress, like these things are not gonna slow down your progress, if anything, it's just going to help with with health. I think it's just very, very overstated, the impact of these things. And we shouldn't just look at little mechanisms that we should look at, you know, what's, what's the big picture here and how it's working in an entire system. And um, it, it does have to get a little bit anecdotal in the trench of what we're seeing, because you're not going to have research on enhanced competitors, high food, or in preps. Uh, taking taking drugs it's just you're just not going to have it so you have to rely on people that are just coaching a lot of individuals and seeing what they're putting putting into practice and of course realize what are the variables that might be in play and how, how it might be but uh, again you, you have guys still reaching high levels in in, in uh, competitiveness so so that's uh, that is the wrap up I guess for um, Metformin lots of things to consider and if it's something that that you you see would be uh, beneficial, you know, within your, your progress. Um, I, you know, I think it's something to investigate more. Uh, we have our thoughts on it and it's ever changing. So, you know, as lo- as more data comes up, we, we're happy to update you guys. Yep. 100%. But any comments, questions, leave them, share, like, subscribe, wherever you're at. <laughs> uh, appreciate you guys following along and, and liking the content. All right. Talk to you all next time. Later.